Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. It would help if I turn my mic on. Uh, Starting in verse 15. Take one of the rams, and Aaron and his sons shall lay their hands on its head. Slaughter it, and take the blood, and sprinkle it against the altar on all sides. Cut the ram into pieces, and wash the inner parts and the legs, putting them with the head and the other pieces. Then burn the entire ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord, a pleasing aroma, an offering made to the Lord by fire. Take the other ram, and Aaron and his sons shall lay their hands on its head. Slaughter it, and take some of its blood, and put it on the lobes of the right ears of Aaron and his sons, on the thumbs of their right hands, and on the big toes of their right feet. Then sprinkle blood against the altar on all sides. And take some of the blood on the altar, and some of the anointing oil, and sprinkle it on Aaron and his garments, and on his sons and their garments. Then he and his sons and their garments will be consecrated. Take from this ram the fat, the fat tail and the fat around the inner parts, the covering of the liver, both kidneys and the fat around them, and the right thigh. This is the ram for the ordination. From the basket of bread made without yeast, which is before the Lord, take a loaf and a cake made with oil and a wafer. Put all these in the hands of Aaron and his sons and wave them before the Lord as a wave offering. Then take them from their hands and burn them on the altar, along with the burnt offering, for a pleasing aroma to the Lord, an offering made to the Lord by fire. I always forget to tell people they can sit down. Yeah, you guys can have a seat. You're laughing. I'm really bad about it. Second service. Um, they, they do things a little bit differently. Uh, and I pretty much always forget to tell them that they can sit down during um, prayer and praise time. It's terrible. And so they actually started kind of going into autopilot and sitting down because they know that I forget to say it and invite them to sit down. Um, so, yeah. Good morning, by the way. If you can't tell, my feet and my mouth are moving faster than my brain is, so um, we're praying for some works of the Spirit here going on uh, because... Let me tell you, I'm just not here this morning. I don't know if you've ever been there. It was just kind of, a, kind of an odd morning. I came in, the AC wasn't on, so I was like, gosh. Um, turned on the air conditioning. Uh, I was getting the sound system all set up. I couldn't get any sound in the sanctuary. I called up Pastor Dan. He said, did you turn on that stack of monitors to the left of the soundboard? No, I did not, Dan. Thank you. Um, and then, I'm sure he probably has at some point or another. And then I forgot to unlock those doors back there because I kind of forget that some people use those doors and then Kelly got locked out for a minute and he had to knock on the door and then Kelly remembered to unlock them for me. So thank you, Kelly. It, it takes, a, it takes a, a village to you know, keep me in line. Speaking of, uh, let's, let's pray before we get into this thing. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for today for this opportunity to come and bring your word to your people. Lord, I pray that you would use me as a vessel, uh, that I would be able to communicate what it is that your scriptures say in a way that touches hearts and lives. Uh, Lord, in the least that I would preach to myself. Uh, I know that I certainly need it as well. Uh, So we pray that this service would bring you glory, would point people to your word, uh, 
and might even make a couple people a uh, little bit uncomfortable, but not like queasy. In your name I pray. Amen. So as I said earlier, um, this morning's scripture is not necessarily the kind of thing where you think, let's hear a sermon about, you know, gutting sheep, because that's, that's what I came here for on Sunday morning, right? Probably not, no. Um, but I feel like it's really important to understand how sacrifice worked, what it meant to the Israelites, and what it means to us through Christ, who ultimately was the Lamb of God, as we see in the New Testament, who came to seek and save us, who came as a sacrifice for all the sins of mankind. But first we've got to understand what that means, what that looked like, how that operated. And so, starting in verse 15, it said, Take one of the rams, and Aaron and his sons shall lay their hands on its head. Slaughter it, and take the blood, and splash it against the sides of the altar. I have that picture up there because I feel like we often don't think about this. When we go back, oh, is the video up there? Yeah, could you play that? I totally forgot. Yeah, that was supposed to happen before the sermon, not at the beginning this week. I was mixing things up. Love justice, but there's a problem. Something compels us humans to constantly wreak havoc and destruction instead, and we call this evil. And from the Bible's point of view, evil ruins things in at least two ways. There's a direct effect of our evil, like when someone steals from another person, they've created injustice. Now, therefore, you know, they owe something to make it right. But there's another indirect effect of evil, because they've also ruined the environment of the relationship, creating a lack of trust, there's emotional damage. It's like vandalism, and they need to make that right, too. Now, many people believe, hey, God is good. He should be the one to just get rid of all the evil in the world. But let's be honest. I mean, the evil that I see everywhere out there, it's the same evil that's inside of me. We have all contributed, and, and we keep doing it. And so this kind of puts us in a bind. If God's going to rid the world of evil, he'll have to get rid of us. And this is what's so remarkable about the story of the Bible. This God is so good that not only is he going to rid the world of evil, he's going to do it without destroying humanity. So how is he going to do that? Well, early in the story of the Bible, we're introduced to this practice of animal sacrifice, which I know, it seems weird to us, but for the Israelites, it was a very powerful symbol of God's justice and of his grace. So remember, I'm a contributor to the evil that's in the world. I should be removed. But God is allowing this animal's life to be a substitute. It's symbolically dying in my place. And the biblical word for this is atonement, which means to cover over someone's death. But there's a second part to this ritual. Remember, evil also causes this relational vandalism. And in the Bible, this idea is described as polluting or defiling the land and making it unclean. So the priest would symbolically wash away the vandalism by sprinkling the animal's blood in different parts of the temple. So the animal's blood is cleaning things? Well, remember, this is a symbol, and it's a symbol that we're not used to. The blood represents life. And the sprinkling of the blood is this representation of how God is cleaning away these indirect consequences of evil in their community. In the Bible, this process is called purification. And so the temple and the land now become a clean space where God and his people can live together in peace. 
So this ritual makes things right between Israel and God. And more than that, the Israelites experience God's love and his grace through these symbols. And by being forgiven, ideally, this would compel them to become people of love and grace too. Right, that's the ideal, but it wasn't always happening. Right. So the prophet Isaiah, for example, he talks a lot about this. He opens his book by saying that the continual sacrifices of the Israelites had become meaningless because they were also allowing great evil in their midst, ignoring the poor and the oppressed. Even the Israelite kings were distorting justice. But Isaiah looked forward to a day when a new king from the line of David would come and deal with evil, but in a surprising way. The king would become a servant. And not just serve, but also suffer and die for the evil committed by his own people. And his life would be offered as a sacrifice. This is the promise Jesus believed he was fulfilling. He's the king of Israel suffering and dying on the cross. In fact, Jesus himself used Isaiah's words when he said that he came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And that word ransom refers to a sacrifice of atonement. And so all over the New Testament, we hear about how Jesus' death was an atoning sacrifice for us. It covered the debt that humans owe God for contributing to all of the evil and death in his world. But the New Testament authors also talk about Jesus' death as providing purification. And so we hear about Jesus' blood as a symbol of his life, having this ability to wash away the vandalism that evil has caused in us and around us so we can now live at peace with God. So that's the meaning behind Jesus' death. But there's more to the story. Yeah, the New Testament makes this powerful claim that Jesus' death was not final. He rose from the dead. And so he's the sacrifice who broke the power of death and evil, which means that he lives on to offer his life to anyone who will accept it. He is the perfect sacrifice to which all the previous sacrifices were pointing all along. So because of Jesus, the early Christians stopped participating in the ritual of animal sacrifice. But they were given new rituals. There are two that Jesus taught his followers to perform. The first is called baptism. Just as Jesus died, so going into the water becomes this personal connection you now have to his death. And in coming out of the water, you, so to speak, come back to life with Jesus. So baptism is the sacred ritual that joins your story to Jesus' death and his resurrection. The second ritual is called the Lord's Supper, which is a reenactment of Jesus' last meal with his disciples, and he used bread and wine to portray his coming death as a sacrifice. And so now, followers of Jesus, they take the bread and the cup regularly to remember and to participate in the power of Jesus' death and in his life. So these rituals, they remind us of God's love and encourage us to live a life of love and grace. But they do more than that. They connect us to a new life source. The very power that brought Jesus back from the dead is the same power that can deal with the evil in our own lives and transform us into people who lead lives of love and peace. A little bit long, but as I was looking, I thought that that was a really good video to kind of explain, you know, where sacrifice started and what it meant. Because it's a messy thing, and it's weird to talk about, like they address. We don't run around killing, I mean, we don't even kill animals to eat them for the most part. There are some, definitely some hunters. I, I am not excluding you, Glenn. Don't give me that dirty look. I was getting there. But I mean, by and large, you go to the grocery store and you buy something, 
that has already been killed, cut, cleaned in a sterile factory setting. Well, yes, you hope. <laughs> Thank you. And then you go to the house, and unless you're getting, like, steak or ground beef, or if you have a deer that you process yourself, you don't really even see much blood, for the most part, when you're cooking meat. That's with meat, you know? And so we, we are, by and large, not completely, Glenn, in a setting where we're not exposed to the blood of animals for really any circumstances. And yet, in the Old Testament, we see this regular pattern of sacrifice. But the sacrifice isn't about the animal. It's not about going up and killing this thing and getting blood all over the place. That's the visual result, but that's not the point. And as was expressed in the video, we see a few points where God says, I'm sick and tired of your sacrifices because they don't mean a darn thing. You're killing all these animals. Great. Wahoo. It's not changing your heart or your life. And that's the point. The point is how it affects us. And it was talking in the video how they splash blood around all over the place. We see that in verse 16, slaughter it and take the blood and splash it against the sides of the altar. So the altar, granted we don't do any sacrifices on this altar because we don't need to, because we have Christ, but we, we view this as the altar, right? When we say come up to the altar, you know, if you want to pray with us, this is what we're talking about right here. When you look at it, it's got a cute little table runner on it and some American flags because the 4th of July was somewhat recently um, but there's seasonal decorations and the Bible uh, and I think Dan's microphone. Yeah. In the Old Testament, this would have been a hand-built rock surface absolutely covered in dried blood. Ugh. Right? That's not something you think of as glamorous, right? That's not something that we enjoy to look at. But that's not the point. Sin is messy. It's disgusting. It tangles us up. It's, to some extent, inescapable. And I think that that's why they covered everything in blood. Yes, it's a symbol of life and how sin kind of drains the life out of us. And so the lifeblood of those animals was intentionally splashed back on the altar. It wasn't something where you were supposed to wash it down and make it all clean again and pretty at the end. Because it's not about us. It's not about what we do. It's about recognizing that we have sin. And how we can't make that right in and of ourselves. So there was that symbol of taking something innocent and shedding its blood. And having God take our guilt, our filthiness, and putting it on that clean thing that didn't do anything wrong. Back to, back to the verses. Verse 17, cut the ram into pieces and wash the internal organs and the legs, putting them with the head and the other pieces. 
Then burn the entire ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord, a pleasing aroma, a food offering presented to the Lord. Here, it's, we're, we're told to dismember the animal. We're told to cut it open, take it apart, and make it messy. It is a messy thing. But so was Christ's sacrifice. In Isaiah's prophecy in chapter 52, verse 14, it says, Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being, and his form marred beyond human likeness. If you take an animal, you gut it, you chop it into several pieces, and then you light it on fire, there's not a whole lot left to look at. Now granted, the fire, unless it gets to a certain degree, wouldn't burn up the bones, so the bones would be left and you'd be able to see that it was a certain type of animal over another. But aside from that, there's not really anything to look at and be like, oh yeah, you know, that was, that was Bill, you know, my sheep who we started, uh, you know, he started off as a little baby sheep, a kid, last year, and, um, you know, he, uh, he had the one kind of stumpy horn. Actually, if he had a stumpy horn, he wouldn't have been accepted as a sacrifice. They had to be without blemish, but, you know, let, let's say he had a spunky personality and would often wander off. And so that's how you remembered that sheep. Well, you wouldn't be able to look at it afterwards and be like, oh, yeah, you know, that was that, was that sheep. It was all burnt up, chopped to pieces, beyond recognition. Well, Christ did that for us. He was beaten, bloodied, bruised, stabbed, whipped, spit at, beyond recognition. So there are three different types of offerings that we're going to look at. The first one is the burnt offering. Here we see that they take the offering, they cut it up, they clean the animal, and they burn it. Now this burnt offering was kind of in two portions. We see that it's a burnt offering, but then we also see a food offering. So they would sort of split it up. Some of it would go to God, and then some of it would become food for the priests because they had to eat, and they technically weren't allowed to really do anything outside of the temple. They didn't own land, so they couldn't go out and grow things. They couldn't necessarily have a whole lot of animals if they didn't have land to put them on, right? So that was how God took care of them. They were given a portion of the offerings. Um, and so this burnt offering, it was burnt to a crisp. There wasn't anything left to hold on to, that burnt portion of the offering. So that went back up to the Lord. And then the food offering was for the priests. But it also left something to look at, left something to see that was my offering that's now burnt up, that's now being consumed both figuratively by the fire and literally by the people. Verse 19, Take the other ram, and Aaron and his sons shall lay their hands on its head. I think that that's interesting because when we see the laying of hands, that's usually the anointing of something, right? It's usually being prayed over. 
It's usually blessing it for some cause or another. Whether it's laying our hands on someone who's sick, who we want to see healing in, whether it's someone who's been appointed to a certain ministry, and we lay hands on them to encourage them, to provide them with strength and anointing of the Holy Spirit. Here we see that they are laying their hands on this animal. It's about to be killed. Why do you think that you would lay hands on something that was about to be slaughtered? Why do you think? Now that there was an actual question. Mm. To place the sin and the guilt. To do that transfer. We saw that word atonement. It was a, a covering up of those sins. But how would the sins get put on that animal? Well, they, they laid the hands on it. It was to make it that guilty thing. So they lay their hands on it, then slaughter it, and take some of its blood, put it on the lobes of the right ears of Aaron and his sons, on the thumbs of their right hand, and on the big toes of their right feet. I thought that that was super interesting. Um, I forgot to change my slides when I switched it from PowerPoint to ProPresenter. Um, so it should say under there, um, uh, dedicatory, but it doesn't because that's in ProPresenter and not in PowerPoint. I did a little fancy thing where like the little white box would go away and then you would see the text of the next word and that didn't go over so hot. And I needed to fix that and I forgot to fix that. So that's my bad, but it should say dedicatory in a blue or green box. So they dedicated themselves as well. They, they laid their hands on this animal and then they were dedicating themselves. It said the lobe of their right ear, their right thumb, and the big toe of their right foot. And I think that those three things are super interesting. They were consecrating themselves in three different ways on the right hand side of the body. Now in Middle Eastern cultures to this day, the right is considered the clean side. Um, I've heard a couple different reasons, but the main one is because uh, this was before the days of toilet paper. And so the left hand was used for certain unclean functions. And sanitization was not as effective in those days. And so the left hand was always viewed as unclean, and you would do all other things with your right hand. Or if you wanted to really slap somebody in the face, you would give it to them with your left hand. To this day, that is viewed as an offensive thing. If you're in the Middle East, you don't hand somebody, you know, cash to check out with your left hand. It really sucks to be a lefty and live in one of those countries. Um, but that's just how it is. It's still viewed as offensive today. So this, this right side, this clean side, is being consecrated. It's being given to the Lord in three different ways. It says, first, the lobe of their right ear. Now, while your ear lobe itself doesn't necessarily serve this particular function, the ear as a whole is for listening. I think that this is clearly symbolic for making sure that they're consecrating their ears. What they hear, listening for the Lord, and how He's speaking in their lives. And I would argue as well, while they didn't necessarily put anything on their mouth or on their lips, that it's 
you know, hearing is a part of how we converse. You listen and then you speak. Or if you're like me, you might speak and then listen. Um, but that's why I'm up here talking to everybody, right? So they are dedicating how they are speaking and how they are hearing. The next thing they dedicate is their thumbs, your actions, what you do with your hands, how you go about each and every day and live your life. And then that's the third one, your feet. Now, they didn't necessarily have to travel quite as much unless they had to go clean something or dedicate something outside of the temple as priests. Um, but it dedicated their footsteps, the direction in which they're going. They were dedicating all of those things to the Lord with this visual representation of blood. Can I say, ew? Who wants to rub blood on their ears today? That's not fun, right? Kind of gross. Probably not sterile. But they did it to show that they were all in, that they're dedicating themselves, that they are washed, so to speak, in the blood. And we also are washed in the blood, not of animals, but of Christ. We are made clean by Him. We are to dedicate our, our listening and our speaking and our actions and our movements. We are to wash that all in the blood of Christ and to move forward dedicated to Him in everything that we say, everything that we do. Next thing that they did, they splashed more blood against the side of the altar, and then it says, take some of the blood from the altar and some of the anointing oil and sprinkle it on Aaron and his garments and on his son and their garments. Then he and his sons and their garments will be consecrated. So one, again, this is, this is messy and it's gross and it's weird. I'll be honest, if it weren't for the whole COVID thing, I would have gotten a squirt gun for this. I wouldn't have put blood in it or like jam or ketchup or anything, but I would have just had water in it and I was going to squirt you guys. You know, at least in the splash zone up front. But they literally anointed that. And you see that still today in some denominations uh, where they will have um, sensors and they'll... Psh, 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 psh. And that's what they did. But with blood instead of, you know, like holy water or anointing oil. Though there was anointing oil mixed in with the blood. It wasn't just blood. It was blood and anointing oil. Um, but nowadays we stay away from blood because... The only blood we need to cleanse us is the blood of Christ. But they got sprinkled with blood. Ugh. But that was a symbol of how everything was washed in that blood. It was messy. But it was to dedicate. It was to set apart. It was to make holy those priests head to toe. Now, we are symbolically dipped head to toe in the blood of Christ when we're baptized, right? That's the whole point, is to be dipped in to represent dying with Christ 
and raised up to represent living in Christ. You're drenched head to toe, not necessarily in blood or anointing oil, but in the waters of baptism. It's that representation of being cleansed and walking with the Lord. So that was the the dedicatory one. The third one is a wave offering, which is kind of interesting. So from all the leftovers, if you will, um, starting in verse 22, the the fat, the fat tail, the fat on the organs, um, the long lobe of the liver, both kidneys and the fat on them, the right thigh, this is the ram for the ordination. From the basket of bread made without yeast, which is before the Lord, take one round loaf, one thick loaf with olive oil mixed in, and one thin loaf. Put all these in the hands of Aaron and his sons and have them wave them before the Lord as a wave offering. So I thought that this was kind of interesting. I did a little bit of looking into wave offerings because I was like, what in the world is a wave offering? And what does that even mean? I understand you know, when you make an offering and you're giving money, I understand the whole sacrifice thing, you know, it's to be cleansed. Um, and if you look through the book of Leviticus, there's like a bazillion different sacrifices for different particular sins. Uh, and, you know, if you only have this much money, you know, you can potentially sacrifice birds instead of a larger animal um, because birds are less expensive. Um, and so there's just all kinds of different things. But I did not know what a wave offering was. Like, what in the world is this? What, what does this mean? And it talks about how they waved it before the Lord. And that's literally what it was. They would take this bread and they would wave it up in the air. I, I looked at the Hebrew word and it literally meant to like shake. And I feel like there's a couple different reasons why you would do this. I I did a little bit of looking into it, and it reminded me of cooking, as you see up there. When you are cooking something that's really hot, uh, especially if it's like a soup or a sauce that you're making, you don't just stick your head right over the pot, right? Because what'll happen? Yeah, you get burned. And so what you do is you waft it, right? You go, and you, you bring the air up so that it sort of flows up to your nose, and you go, yes. And it's wonderful. I love making pasta sauce. Uh, it's, one of, it's one of my go-tos. If anybody comes over to the house, Mark and Julie, I had them over at the house months ago, um, and I made pasta sauce because it's just one of my go-tos. Um, my mom taught me how to make it while I was living at home, uh, and... It's something easy, and I just love Italian food. Uh, so you now know how to bribe me, each and every one of you. Um, Italian food is the way to my heart. Uh, and so when I make that sauce, you don't just like stick your head in the pot. It's, it's not a good idea. But you can still enjoy that sweet aroma by wafting it, by waving it back at you so that you can sniff what you're working with. And figure out, you know, oh, I need to add a little bit of this. I need to add a little bit of that. And this wave offering was sort of waving it up to the Lord, showing, one, that it's dedicated to God, which made me think of the Lion King. I don't know how many of you guys remember the Lion King, but at the beginning of the movie, 
um, the little lion cub is being dedicated as the prince. And so um, the, the priest monkey guy, um, he breaks open some kind of fruit and, and rubs some orange dust on his head and takes him up and he holds him up in front of everybody. This is the new prince. And they all bow down and make their animal noises and it's exciting. You can laugh at me, but it's true. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you got the, the, the circle of, it's the circle, of, yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of a moving cinematic moment, really. Uh, and you'll also see um, some memes where he's like tripping and he throws the lion up in the air. Um, it's, yes, but anyway, sorry. Now I got sidetracked by you. Thank you. Yeah. It adds, it adds a little spice to the sermon, that's all. So, we see this dedication. He's being waved before everyone, held up in the air, showing this is important. This is someone who is being dedicated to all of you as a future leader of these people. This is the prince. And in kind of a similar fashion with these wave offerings, they would hold it up. This is holy. This is an offering made before the Lord. And I feel like it was sort of wafting it up to God. Unless I misheard the camera just clicked off, so that might be interesting. We'll see how that goes. It's just one of those days. It really is. Um, and so this offering was waved before the people. And I think that it was, in that sense, just as much for the people as it was for the Lord, recognizing that this thing was being done. Showing it in public, broadcasting that this is an offering to the Lord. And then said, Then take them from their hands and burn them on the altar, along with the burnt offering, a pleasing aroma to the Lord a food offering presented to the Lord. It's all for God. It's not about us. It's not about what we give. It's not about the offering itself. It's all about the Lord. It's actually why I picked the last song for today. Uh, we did it as our like mic check, if I remember right. I hope I remember it right. Heart of worship, yeah? Yeah. I'm going back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. That's ultimately what these sacrifices were about. They were messy. They were gross. It was all filled with blood and organs and things that you don't really like to talk about ever, let alone at church unless you're a nurse like Rose or something. And yet, and yet, isn't that what the crucifixion was? It was messy. It was gross. Christ was beaten, bloodied, bruised, and died for each and every one of us to make us clean. He became sin who knew no sin. 
while we were still sinners, Christ died for us to take on that burden, to be our atonement, to give us new life. And so with all of that being said, have you dedicated yourself? Have you dedicated the things that you do, the things that you say, the things that you watch, the music you listen to, what you do with your hands, and the direction you go in life? If not, I want to challenge you. Why are you here? If you're not here to dedicate yourself to the Lord, why are you here today? It's messy. It can hurt. I'm sure there were a couple of times, especially with the new young priests, where somebody's knife slipped once or twice. It's not a clean process. It's not easy. It's not fun. But boy, is it cleansing. So with that, I want to invite you guys to pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for another day in your house, another day to be cleansed by your Spirit, another day to come up to the altar to recognize that your blood was shed for us, to recognize that it was messy, that it was painful, to light that fire, to put up our sacrifices, to lay aside our burdens for you. Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice, for how it changes our lives. We pray that you would help us to move forward, to consecrate our hands, our feet, the things that we say, and our lives unto you. I pray that if there's anyone in this room who hasn't yet given themselves up to you to be made clean, to be made holy, to be consecrated, that you would guide them to you. We lift these things up in your precious and holy name. Amen. I invite you to stand for the last worship song.